folks, there you have it. If you thought you'd never see five warriors take down an entire legion of Bone Devils, you haven't been following the Frozen Horns. Another impressive victory for this legendary team that holds nothing back on the battlefield. Man, what are they feeding those Dornish kids to make them so dang thick? They're built like mithril shithouses. Reindeer meat? Lots of milk? Reindeer milk? Hmm. Well, whatever it is, it's never failed the horns, especially Team Captain Vladov Peakborn and his famous great sword, Skyrender. I'd kill for five minutes alone with that sword. I bet wielding it's like dancing with a beautiful woman made of deadly enchanted steel. Oh, baby. Welcome back, folks, to the League of Ultimate Questing, the show that puts the fan in fantasy and the ad in adventure. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. With me, as always, is celebrated League veteran in the brilliant brute in a suit, Stormclad Thundertongue. Kip, we've had our eyes on the dawn for uh, quite a while now, but I'm going to level with you. All the wigs and makeup and in-design couldn't pass these cats off as corpses. Too lively. You think the ruse will be up before it even starts? I don't know, man. Playing dead that long. I mean, what about bodily functions? You're one bad relationship with a day-old burrito away from giving up the ghost, so to speak. They'll have to play it cool and try not to stand out. Not the Mortal Dawn's forte, but it'll surely be a delight to watch. Let's get down to the edge of the Emerald Flame, witness the quest in action, and see how it all plays out. The mortal dawn is standing outside of the crackling green barrier that surrounds the necropolis of Endariel. There's a long stone drawbridge that hangs over this murky, toxic-looking water. The city seems completely silent from this side of the wall. You know the time has come to activate your disguise before you enter any further. Well, I guess it's time to use this thing. Just light it on fire, right? Anybody? Oh, well. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you pull out the brazier and fill it with this black incense and with a little bit of magic, ignite it. And more of this strange green smoke that you saw before starts to pour out and forms a circle around the group, spreading out over the wagon, over the horse. And as you breathe it in, you can feel the magic start to take its effect. Now, each of you takes the form of a kind of grave bound, some sort of either skeleton, zombie, something with a tangible body. But I would like each of you to describe to me how your team member looks as an undead. I think Arvid will be uh, skeletal. We'll have the big cloak-looking ghostly and tattered. and uh, Oh, like dead skin hanging off a skeleton? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and his skull, you can't tell when there's so much fur and flesh on it, but it looks... It looks itself almost goaty. It's it's a little elongated in the face, and his teeth at the back, they're more ugulent. And yeah, he's got like a bit of withered flesh around the wrists and ankles and the big boots. You gotta have the big boots. Sure. And then, uh, besides that, it's pretty much just the cloak, and you can see the breeze wafting through him! <laughs> ah! I love that. As the, the camera pans over to Harithax, Harithax's jet black scales have just gone dull and gray and lifeless. All of the flesh has been debrided from their skull, which is just this bare white gator bone. Um, but their eyes burn with just black shadow. And in place of the usual sort of natural wood worm swirls on their chest, there are actual worms just kind of crawling through a Nari. mass of mottled yeah, flesh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Chris is dreading this moment. But when Chris finally opens his eyes, 
he sees that his hair has grown exceptionally long and the gem is still in the middle of its chest, but it's also infused more into the bones so much so that instead of like it all white, the bone looks almost obsidian in some places or not like gem dark blue in other places. Hmm. You've seen Artem like this before once when you first met him. His skin clings to his bones, almost no flesh beneath except raw, hard, sinewy muscle. He looks like he's starved and hungry, his lips thin and almost peeling back from his teeth. But most importantly, his eyes are completely gone, sunken in, consumed by his body, and in their place is now just a burning ring, similar to that of a revenant. Oh, I love that. And... Where once there was a Camarian warhorse, there's now this massive skeletal steed with little ribbons of leather and flesh kind of draping off of it. Huge hooves with nails and sharp spikes just embedded into them. And even the wagon itself seems to have decayed and aged several decades. The wood is slightly warped. Cobwebs hang off of it, and there's a sheen of dust over the top. Would you be okay with the three of us working together with uh, prestidigitation, thaumaturgy, stuff like that to tarnish and make old the caravan that we're driving? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. That sounds great. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) And we do it. (laughs) I could pit it with acid, but that's not going to be reversible. Yeah. (laughs) And with that, the barrier remains in front of you, but there seems to be no guard on this side of the barricade, the moat, the bridge. Just quiet. Well, I guess we go in. As they walk, Arvid hasn't quite got the motion down. He's kind of chipper, bouncy, skeleton. <laughs> Clickety-clackety-clickety-clack. <laughs> think think more... Um... Spooky, scary skeleton. <laughs> Shivers down your spine. Just <laughs> a walking xylophone. I need fan art of these descriptions. <laughs> <laughs> Of the immortal dawn. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think one of my horns is probably broken off too. Oh, that's good too. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I'm imagining like you know one of those like Japanese demons, gone skeleton. You know, mm-hmm. Yuki Ona with extremely long hair. Do you yeah, still totally, have totally. flesh, or are you just a skeleton with hair? I was tempering with the idea of maybe going like the Frankenstein route, but I wanted to stay in theme with the team. So. Oh, I thought you were going with Le Vampire. Oh. Well, oh, yes, that one. <laughs> you, can never... you don't think you could pass for vampire uh, with the magic. It's, this oh. is you were the base level of undead. I was really but sad no. that it had to be corporeal, too, because I was like, Chris would make a sick ghost. Right. I would. But you can definitely go for like the almost preserved in formaldehyde, like weirdly youthful tight skin. Yeah. Like the, the weirdly pristine zombie that's almost like porcelain. Yeah, I want that. <laughs> okay. Choose that one. And with that, the party steps through the barrier. As you pass beyond this green energy, it feels like time stops. You're not sure how long it takes to get through just inches of this mystical green fire, but it feels like maybe decades. And as you step through, the ghostly skeleton of a city that you saw through the veil seems to have almost a spirit hanging over the top of it. Like there is still life in some of these buildings, almost like it's trapped between its decay and its apex. And there are figures moving throughout the city at a very slow pace. Groups of 10 and 12 zombies just shuffling through the streets, almost in military uniformity. 
through some of the aqueducts going under the moat, you see long rotted boats with bony boatmen and long poles just kind of rowing along slowly. There are some armored skeletons that move through the city streets that seem to be guiding more of the scoured. The living humans that dwell here in the city, mindless and subservient, covered head to toe in these linguistic tattoos. And there, underneath the drawbridge that opens to let you in, the gate is wide open, but there is one single guard who seems to be leaning against the wall, a towering humanoid with a pointed metal helm and a long beard that drapes all the way to the ground and then halfway across the walkway with a massive halberd in his fist. And he seems almost lifeless, completely still. And the undead horse clip, clop, clip into the city entrance. Does he stop us? For a moment, it seems there's a flash of light in his eyes, almost like he's just registering what's happening, and there is no movement whatsoever. No one seems to be giving you an extra glance. Who's going to be the first person to premiere their character with a southern accent? <laughs> a British southern accent. Now that, now Not that, everyone here is southern. Now that we're all undead, we have to be southern. <laughs> we established that a couple episodes ago. It's a weird racial trope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the deep south. Wow. And in the sky above the city, you see some incorporeal figures just drifting along. Some of them with long hair flowing behind them like a cloak that just sort of come and go, vanishing into the night sky. They seem to be looking for something constantly. Arvid's going to shuffle his bones towards Crist and lean in and go, Hey, Crist. Yes? This is my spooky voice. Oh, it's um, quite spooky. Anyway, go, uh, ask, go ask that guy for directions. Where are we going again? Some kind of mansion. What was the guy's name? His name was Baron, Baron Malfons. Okay. Chris is like dragging a limb leg over, just leaning into it. Sure. Um, uh, excuse me. Who, who are you addressing? Whoever will listen. You, <laughs> of course. Sorry. Dead voice. I'm so excited for the Russian Southern. That's. <sighs> you don't have to be Southern. So we're not really southern. doing that. We're just we're just trying to figure out our disguise right now, right? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, Chris steps forward into the street, mm-hmm. and you look to find someone to ask directions to, and you notice that there is in fact a street sign. But where a flat wooden sign would be pointing in different street directions, you just see a half-skeletal upper torso of a human crucified on top of this pole, arms outstretched, looking down over the street. It says, Where to? The Baron's Mansion. There are many barons in Andariel. Ah, I forgot. (laughs) I love it. <laughs> Malfons, Baron uh, Malfons. Malfons, Baron Malfons. North along the main road, left before the silent citadel on Malfons Street. That is convenient. He owns much land. It's nice to see more outsiders come to join us. New faces. New hopes for the future. I would not call my face <laughs> new faces. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Harith That's X. my skeleton laugh. I love it. Harithax just echoes, join us. When it says join us. <laughs> Welcome to Andariel. 
And following these directions, you can easily start to make your way up the street and see more of the bizarre sights of this dead city. Occasionally, you'll see just a rotting corpse float to the top of the waterways that run through the city and then just kind of swim its way to the side and climb up a wall and draining the water from its body continue on its way. There are more of these spectral creatures that seem to be drifting from building to building. And at one point, you walk by a large warehouse and inside you see several of the scoured just sort of milling about. These ones don't have any markings on their skin. And there are several armored skeletons that patrol around it. On one of the larger thoroughfares, you notice that there are old, decrepit shop faces that aren't in business anymore. There are creatures inside that seem to be living there. But what used to be a grocer or what used to be a produce stand are now just dead. There are still decayed fruit in baskets, preserved in time, but completely rotten. Something catches your eye from down the street that makes you stop in your tracks. You're putting on as brave a face as you can in this bizarre place, but this takes your breath away. A towering figure taller than even the largest building within your sight steps through the buildings, and it seems to be made of shadows and starlight, tiny beads of light floating in its torso. And with huge lumbering steps, it passes down one block at a time, looming, looking left and right, patrolling for something, its arms long, nearly dragging on the ground, passing through walls, passing through citizens, and it steps right over your heads, and you feel a cold wind blowing off of it as it just continues lumbering silently, without a peep, but ominous. We have a lot of things in London Dark. Nothing like this. And the further north into the city you get, the more regal the buildings become. You notice the architecture in this town is extremely uniform. Compared to the cities you're from that are kind of a hodgepodge of different cultures, this looks like it was all almost made from one giant piece of rock. It's so uniform. The architects here were clearly brilliant, but everything is just kind of lost in time, but held up fairly well over the years. As the buildings begin to get more and more grandiose and gorgeous and adorned with art and dead hedge mazes out in front of them, you can tell that you're in a very rich district in town. You start to see other sorts of figures milling about, some of them with actual skin on their bones, uh, long fangs that poke out from the tops of their lips, long white and red cloaks drifting behind them. Some of them appear to be skeletal in nature, but with just an aura of magic clinging to them, long staffs in their hands, surrounded by what look like undead children, just following in their wake. And you eventually come to a large cast iron sign, and carved into it, it says Malfont's Manor. Well, I guess we're here. I do not understand the purpose of these uh, hedge mazes. Without the leaves, you can simply see through them. Not unlike me. <laughs> I still need to work on my, my skeleton voice. <laughs> yeah. Arvid's skeleton voice is very silly grandma. Yeah. <laughs> it's very... But who knows what being dead does to change your voice? I don't. I'll cleave you, my pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So I wish I knew more about the different regions of Russia, because if I was to do a southern accent, I believe they have a much mouthier sound. So it's much more thick in the mouth and lots of of, uh, tight uh, facial features, lots of uh, sibilance. You just do like southern Russia? Super, yeah. (laughs) Or like western Russia, I guess, technically. Sorry. No. I'm so curious what parody looks like now. Mm-hmm. What do the magical items look like now that 
they've experienced this time magic. They simply look much older, but they're all completely functional. Mm. Parody itself seems almost pristine. Wow. That's a pretty classic skeleton, isn't it? You know, decayed skeleton thing with like one excellent Really large. nice weapon. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, your armor just has like an illusory decay clinging to it, rotted away, rusted in places. I'm wearing dead men's boots. That's perfect. Yeah, oh. Yes, indeed. They fit in just right with the ensemble. <laughs> um, and there at the gate, when you guys are kind of standing for a moment, looking into the courtyard, the one thing that stands out most about this mansion is it has an incredibly tall tower sticking out of the top, almost like a textbook wizard's tower that seems to overlook the city at a very high vantage point. And a little undead figure shuffles out from near the front door and comes down to the gate to greet you. You're not sure if it was once a halfling or maybe a goblin, perhaps a really ugly halfling. A really ugly child. (laughs) Or it could be a really ugly child. And it seems to be wearing what was once a very nice butler's outfit, but now it is rotted, barely clinging on. It moves to the front and says, Mortal Dawn, Lydia's us. The Baron awaits you. And opens this iron door and gestures come come now is that his bones yeah. <laughs> conjunction of his spine and him opening the gate king stink gross. i presume oh mm. gross indeed don't write down king stink not. it's probably not what he's writing down I know, it a, I know it was just a crushingly <laughs> clever bit but you know This little figure leads you across the courtyard, which is much larger than the courtyards of the nobles back in Lucinelli, and up to this huge double door in dark oak, beautifully embossed, and kind of jumps up to grab the handle and lets the weight of his body open it, and it just sort of swings in. It says, please enter. Come, come, come. How do you find that beautiful city? It's pretty nice. I mean, it's, it's pretty nice. I wish there were some snacks. I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) Snacks are rare around here. I have not had a snack in a very long time. Oh, how sweet it was. Yes, I like to munch, I don't know, children's bones or something. Yeah, that sounds good. Yes, children's bones. And he leads you into this huge, dusty, echoing foyer. Everything about the interior of this place shows that it is decayed. The carpet is withered and covered in moss. The wall paper has peeled. The chandelier is just a giant mass of spider webs. And you're certain that there are thousands of spiders just shuffling about up in those meshing nets. The only thing that remains perfectly intact and pristine are the portraits hanging on the walls. They resemble people who look perhaps related to Baron Malfonce, almost like they were painted yesterday, just immaculate, save for the frames, which are rotted and twisted and withered. Mm. And you enter underneath where the chandelier is to a pair of double stairs spiraling up. And there at the top, you see the corporeal form of Baron Malfonce, just as you saw him in the ghostly visage, but now before you. He's got a large mutton chop handlebar mustache that wraps around his face a receding hairline he's a little portly but the skin seems to cling tight to his body he's a very nice brown suit with a dark green ascot wrapped around his neck big bronze buttons fine little bitty boots on the ends of his very skinny legs and kind of a swallowtail coat that hangs behind him 
And as he tip taps very silently down the stairs, you realize he's floating just millimeters off the ground. He says, Mortal Dawn, so fine to have you here in my home. I trust that the perils of Camaris were no match for your prestige. We had a few troubles, but nothing too worrisome. Oh, please come up to my study where you can drop this vocal facade. Just going to call us out like that? <laughs> Do not worry. My servants are very trustworthy. It's only the people out there that you must fear breaking the guys. Huh. Please join me. I'm sure you have more questions. You have ruminated and thought for some time. I definitely do. Like, what the bloody hell is Anima? Let us have a seat. I think I still have some bottles of wine in the cellar that are untouched for these past few centuries. <laughs> oh. I'll just take a couple of those as my reward. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he has a servant bring up a bottle of this red wine that is almost at a syrupy point, um, which is drinkable. And not horrible. It doesn't like turned vinegar or anything, but it's definitely not how it was meant to be consumed. Mm -hmm. It says, I assume it's delicious. I have no taste buds of my own to confirm or deny this fact. Yeah, we're great. It turns out if you leave bad wine bottled for a very long time, it does not make it good wine. <laughs> that is very true, my friends. Well, you've come this far, and I'm pleased with the investment that I have made because you have proven to be quite skillful at both survival and subterfuge in getting here. So congratulations. Your disguises are beautiful. Your investment in that guide really paid off. I'm not sure we would have made it without him. Yes, that was a very expensive pocket of 800 gold coins. Oh, well. Kamari and outriders do not come cheap. They're, they're people put off wealth to shame. To say the least. All the more appreciated. Well, I think as long as this all goes well, then uh, I made the right choice. I do have a bit of news. I've been keeping my ear to the ground, he says, pulling the ear off of his head mm -hmm. and kind of chuckling a bit. <laughs> it's a little little undead joke we have here in Andario. <laughs> Don't pay no attention to it. <laughs> I've been trying to be as lightly involved as possible to not raise suspicions or make the council grow curious of my actions. Heaven forbid the Silent King find out. Not that he'd make a ruckus, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that the group that has taken these items from us are called the Execration, and they are not fans of the Church of Cygnus, which is a dire shame. For without faith, what is the afterlife? Am I right? Agreed. But they took the remains... And they absconded out of the city with them. But we don't know where. It seems your first course of action is to do a little bit of socializing. Maybe talking to some shady characters. Not that anyone doesn't match that description here. To try to figure out how to join this group. I think they are welcoming new recruits at any given time. I think this may be your best bet for infiltration. I imagine being outsiders, that'll make us all the more disposed to joining such an unusual group. Yeah, it's very common for strangers in a strange land to want to cling to the first entity like a lamprey on the back of a mighty whale. That is me, a lamprey. <laughs> more of a sun ray, I think. <laughs> the... I believe you had a question regarding the properties of anima. Yeah. What the bloody hell is it? Where do you get it from? How do you get it? And oh, uh, Let's start with those. All fair questions to be true, and fear not, I will do my best to shed some light on them. 
You see, everyone has a soul, some sort of spirit that keeps the living bound to this realm. When you die, it goes to the afterlife, or it becomes a ghost, and sometimes your body gets up and turns into a zombie, as we can see here before us. The difference in Andariel is that the zombies and skeletons still have souls residing in them of the citizens that once lived here. But it is a strain to exist in this state of eternal decay makes one hunger for the memories of the past, for a, a reinvigoration of what we once were. And in order to achieve that, we must consume what is known as anima, which is not just your regular run-of-the-mill soul energy. It ain't some kind of magic life juice you just tap in and turn on. It's a gift of the eminent to draw from the living. It's much easier when they are willing. You can get it in troves and even keep them alive for some time, milking them like cattle over years and years. And sometimes it can be received from those unwilling, but it is a much more difficult procedure. It gets harnessed into this sort of green energy, like that of the barrier that protects our city. It is the residual magic of the Silent King who protected us during the Cataclysm, the reign of white flame, the destruction of the original god against his children. Does that answer your question? A little bit, but now I have many more, but let me just think about this for a while longer. That was a lot. It's part of a ritual that only the eminent may enact, as members of this thriving ecosystem of the undead. Okay. Okay. And this is your main form of currency here? It is. The eminent are in control of its supply, and we take what we need for ourselves and then offer the rest like a trickle-down effect to the other citizens of the city. Of course, the gravebound can also be nourished not as much in a spiritual sense by the flesh of the living, as they hunger for all time. That's good enough to tide them over, and once in a while they'll get some anima, and it goes much further in their bodies than it does in the imminent. We require much more to survive. Reanimonomics notwithstanding, uh, what is our job here? I would like you to try to find this roguish group, join them, find out where they have taken the remains of our once council leader, and go out to seek it. I fear that by the time you can do this and leave the city, the effects of my illusion will have worn off. But if you return to the city carrying the bones of one of our first leaders, you will be welcome with open arms and no fear of the repercussions of being alive. Let's see. No fear of the repercussions of being alive. That's a lot. Not the sentence I was expecting to hear, but okay. Let me show you all something. Please, follow me. I'll get you a better idea of what you're dealing with here in Andario. With a good bird's eye view, the top of my tower used to be my grandpappy's. He was a bit of a wizard himself. Not me. Never made sense to my mind. I'm a businessman. And he will begin to take you up these spiral staircases. And the tower seems to narrow and narrow to the point where you're walking in a single file line. And then it opens up into a nice, wide ruin of a lab of some sort. All the books on the shelves are rotted completely. You couldn't recover a sentence from any of them if you tried. But they are a nice decoration. There are huge windows that face out in every direction that look over the city, and it seems to have this green light cast over the entire expanse, so you can see everything from this vantage point. 
Baron Malfont steps to a window and sort of gives you a long-distance tour of the city by pointing to different regions and quadrants and naming them one by one. The large structure you passed on the way here is the Silent Citadel. That is the castle that our king resides in and all of his servants. None come or go for some great time, but his rule is still dominant here. We follow him faithfully. He is our salvation, and he will bring us back to the light one day. We are here in the brass tenement, home to the eminent, the more awoken and powerful undead, those who control the anima, those who have the most land. And I'm not sure how it worked, but it seemed that those who were in control of the city and life tend to remain so in death, mm. more to the blessing of our king. Near the center of town is the Souls Rialto. It's a bit of a marketplace where people can go to find their anima, should they have things to trade for it. Or they can simply patch themselves up, or they can go to the Symphony Eternal, should they wish to remember the beautiful sound of music. Far to the west is the Fetid Lock, once a beautiful lake where we could fish and gain resources, but now nothing but a toxic pool of green filth. Quite the shame, quite the shame. Of course, we have a very large cemetery here, as we did when we were living, but it is used for different purposes now, as we are up and about. Sometimes people who were buried there long ago snap to life and join the citizens' ranks. A beautiful thing indeed. And then, of course, he says, pointing way off to the north, those fields over there, that's something that a lot of outsiders have a problem with. They don't understand. Those are the herd lands. That's where the scoured reside. But you must understand, while there are fences, they have no gates. We do not lock them in. We welcome them into the fold. And they stay of their own free will. They offer themselves up as sacrifices to the servants of the Silent King. They too view him as our salvation and willingly continue the greatness of our city with their noble sacrifice. And while they stand shoulder to shoulder in pens without a thought in their minds, it may seem barbaric, but we do not keep them if they wish to leave. We would never tether them or tie them down. Chris, pull your eyebrows apart. Oh, was, was it that obvious? I understand it is a difficult concept. When I was still a very new undead, it took me some time to understand the necessity of this ecosystem. You have some planning to do. Take your vantage point of the city, view it as long as you wish, but remember that the spell does have a timer. I will be waiting for you downstairs. Take as long as you want. May I have a moment of your time? Please, I will join you with Herothax at the bottom of the stairs when you are ready. Please, tell me what is on your mind, and they will go downstairs. Okay, okay, Arvid, I cannot hold this in anymore. How the bloody hell can you stay so calm? This is weird. This is gross. What? Do you know what hazing is? Uh, uh yes, yes. Uh, okay, so when that happens, you just go somewhere else, right? You yes. just aren't there anymore, and um. you let it happen, and you go somewhere else. And then, when you have a chance to do something, that is when you come back. Um, so... I am not looking at any of this. I'm not seeing it. I did nearly um, mess myself when that thing with the... What even was that? I don't know. Was it made of stars? What was that? So no point in seeing those things. Don't even acknowledge them. You might have the right idea. 
This is how you get past the bad stuff. It, just ignore it. Yes. Yep. Only for a couple hours, right? Uh, we'll see if there's ever time to process it. Oh, <laughs> if we die here, there will be plenty of time to process. We're only going to be here for about 24 hours, right? Unless we die. And then we'll be here for a very, we very long time. Die. See, this is what I'm saying. You thinking about that is just going to make me freeze up when I'm supposed to rage. He's smiling at you with a big, sickening, undead grin. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> I am curious about one thing. Is there a piece of anything like a broken teacup, something like that? Sure. Uh, I just want to see what happens when I cast Mending in this realm. Does it decay or does it actually fix? Sure. So this little glass teacup that has a large crack going through the side and seems to be just like all the paint is faded. You attempt to cast a Mending on it and it looks like if you focus very closely... There are little tiny flowers that were painted around the outside and like a single petal starts to fill in a little bit, like one blue pixel at a time mm-hmm. and it spreads a little bit and then it retracts a little bit and then it spreads a little bit and it seems to just be like trapped in some sort of loop. Interesting. Okay. Don't understand that a bit, but interesting. <laughs> if we were going to live here, maybe we would try to figure out why it's like this. But yes. since we're not... Ignore all of it, get the objective taken care of, and then we can go back to the woods. Yes. Or whatever. Fish, fish, fish. Yes, fish, fish. I'm, fish I'm starting to think. What? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm starting to think that um, hiding under that wagon was a really, really good thing. Mm. Nice. Down the stairs with Baron Malfonce and Harothax, he said. Please, tell me, young Harothax, what is it that troubles you or fills you with quandary? Uh, on the way here, we passed a... Blood wasp nest? Oh, yes, the blood wasp. They are quite a menace, are they not? Our guide told us that their honey is medicinally potent. I suppose that's probably true. How might I acquire some of this? I have no currency in this realm, but it sounds like life essence is currency. Well, it seems that you are under the impression that perhaps our people might deal with medicines or even illegal poisons and toxins, but that is just water to our kind. This is this is worthless, you see. But I am to understand in my limited trades with the Outer Kingdoms that there are people in your realm specifically who pay top dollar to harvest these exotic, blood-filled, horrible nests and use them to sell to the addicted. And not to turn into healing potions or the like, but to uh, form dens of lethargy. Take people of all of their money. Yes, I suppose that might be possible. I, I was more curious about using it for medicine, but I'm not sure how I would acquire some. He gives you kind of a wink. He says, I'm sure you were. It seems... <laughs> if it is uh, rubbish or like water to you, it seems... a. Uh, a meager thing to ask for my reward. Perhaps it is something that you would be able to acquire at a perhaps a small cost. Well, again, us undead citizens of Adariel don't want to stockpile things that are just going to rot in the larders worthlessly, and we're not looking to trade for money. We just want more anima, as it were. But we don't really feel comfortable about dividing and conquering to take other kingdoms of their life for us. That seems quite sinister in nature. It does, rather. Perhaps I could offer you something in exchange. 
Let me put your worries to rest. Our people cannot go forth and harvest the anima, for leaving the confides of Andario makes us decay at a horrible rate. I see. But I will keep you informed if I learn of any illicit dealings of the outer kingdoms in such Camarian goods. One thing, young Harothax, that you must learn about the undead is we are very frugal businessmen, and we do not keep that which does not matter to us, for we are stuck with it forever. <laughs> I hate this. This place sucks. I assume you're referring to Andariel? It's a total creep show. Everybody's all bones and worms or see-through or a giant walking shadow monster. No bars, no dance halls, no barbecue. That's not living. I mean, yeah, I, got, I guess it's literally not living. Sounds like purgatory. It's indeed a one-of-a-kind place with history and governing powers unlike any in the Five Kingdoms. I'm telling you right now, Kip. If I ever get evicted from my eternal resting place, have some cleric take me out. I got no problem with the Andariel folks unliving their deaths. But the thought of somebody using my meat suit as a corpse puppet's getting me all riled. I want to be living my life, or clinking mugs and cutting rugs in the hereafter, and never the twain shall meet. Promise me, Kip. Consider this my unliving will. I'm not sure that's quite how it works, Kip, Norm. promise me. I promise, I promise. And speaking of in-between, let's take a break from the action to check out some of this week's sponsors. Stay tuned for more adventure. Well, hey there, it's me, your old friend Chester, from Domain Farms Old Fashioned 1D8 Healing Potions. Well, my can are always giving me the business for being stuck in the past, but I'm an old-fashioned fella, just like my daddy was. But sometimes you gotta face the facts and get with the times for that competitive edge. That's why we're introducing new mending machines. Check out the main streets of major cities near government buildings where we're installing these new cutting-edge, coin-slot-operated potion-vending constructs. Easy potions on the go, new delivery system, same old healing tonic. Guess you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And if you're in Lucinilli, ask Hero Rank Team the Mortal Dom what potion they reach for when their life force is feeling low. They choose Domain Farms, because they know it'll last if it's cured. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey there, all you cuties, it's Zach here. I hope you're all doing well and making the most of your situations. I want to start by telling you about a podcast I recently came across that I think fans of LUQ will seriously enjoy. It's an actual play horror podcast called Dark Dice. If you think we're tightly edited, you will not believe this show. They have no table talk or rules deliberations or anything, just pure story and character development. Tight episodes around 30 minutes and some of the most amazing sound engineering I have heard with original soundtracks. Speaking of, what you're listening to right now is an actual example of music of the show. Uh, what really caught me off guard, though, is that the heroes are actually weakened over time due to, like, exhaustion and stress and stuff like that, which I think is very in keeping with the horror theme and super, super cool. It definitely takes things in a different direction. I found this, and I think it does a great job of summing up the show. 
Six travelers embark on a journey into the Dead Pines to find their town's missing children. They will never be the same again. A sinister creature that can take the form and voice of their heroes infiltrates their midst. As it kills and replaces them one by one, the creature, now controlled by one of the players, seeks its next victim. Can our heroes figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's got this like amazing The Thing feel that I just cannot get enough of. But Dark Dice is available wherever podcasts are available, and I strongly recommend checking out darkdicepod.com. We all want a little levity in these dark times, but I personally like to just load up on the darkness wherever possible. But honestly, times are tough for everyone right now, which makes it all the more heartwarming that we have so many amazing people signing up to be patrons. You are all fantastic, especially our legendary teams made up of fans who donate $25 or more a month. Those teams are the Tavern Brawlers, the Cultured Cutthroats, and this week's featured team, the Moonlight Veil, with Maisie, Christian Wiseman, Jen Finch, and Erie Luna Rose. Thank you all so much. Be sure to check out our Discord where you can chat with the crew and where patrons can find bloopers and deleted scenes in the Heroes Lounge. If you'd like to advertise with us or get a personal message on the show, please send an email to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Also, I've been streaming lately. Uh, you can find that at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams. I don't have a set schedule yet, but I tend to post on social media and Discord whenever I'm on. I'd love to see you there. But enough about me. Let's get you back to the action. Good evening, I'm Winston Faye Bandefeather III, welcome to Mackinac News 5, your top source for up-to-date coverage of the Five Kingdoms. All-female barbarian rage metal band Thrash Slash Bash Gash has postponed their Five Kingdom tour to participate in community service. The charitable donation of time was court-ordered last week as a punitive measure for inciting crowd bloodlust at a recent festival. The resulting riot reduced the population of a nearby village by 34%, incurring resurrection fees of 75,094 gold drachs. When prompted for comment on the expense, the lead singer, Greta Grimbarrow, responded, quote, Stupid soft coins, who cares? The band's new accountant, Armitage Pennyweather, was later quoted as saying that the performance group, who may now be forced to re-register themselves as demolition crew for tax purposes, are rich in coin, but poor in financial responsibility. A boycott of local temples is in full swing following rumors that an as-yet-unnamed figure of the Alcaran House of the Salar was hospitalized due to drug overdose. Church officials suggest that intoxicants have long been consumed to elicit holy visions, but assure the public that if moral wrongdoing is proven, punitive action will be taken. The Denimizarian faithful responsible for the boycott have indicated that they shall continue demonstrations until the vendor is removed from his position and the church is held to a higher standard, stating, quote, The church shall not remain in the hands of the high priest. Iron, coal, and silver are in high demand due to recent disappearances of southbound ore shipments from mining concerns along the Western Guards Wall. Local law enforcement confirmed the pattern of disappearances to be consistent with banditry, but report no evidence of active bandit camps in the region. When pressed for comment on the apparent lack of concerted effort to stop the string of thefts, officials were quoted as saying, Whoever they are, these thieves got to go through Ten Tribes' territory. Best archers in the land, and they ain't the type to ask questions. Bounty of 200 gold on their heads. Round here you rob a mine, you're like as not to get shafted. This has been Winston Faye the Third, Five Kingdoms, One Story. So the group reconverges in Malfonce's study having gotten a good view from the high vantage point of the tower over the city and getting a general feel of the street layout to the best of your ability. And uh, Balfonce says, I imagine it might be in your best interest to head to the Souls Rialto, maybe, to learn more about Anima if you are curious, as that is the source for the grave bound to access it, or just talk to some individuals who come and go. If you need any of the uh, 
luxurious dust-covered furniture of my estate, please let me know. I have a question. We've been doing uh, affected voices. Is this necessary in this place, or do the undead typically sound perfectly normal? It can be a strain for the gravebound to speak normally, so any kind of lurgy or slowing down of your speaking and consonants. Oh, um, I was going the wrong way there. You didn't know. You are not a specialist in such things. <laughs> I'd say they're quite a specialist. I'll have you know he's very good at disguises. <laughs> See? Now that's a perfect undead voice right there. This is just what I sound like. <laughs> well, all right then. I'm starting to realize that my undead voice sounds an awful lot like lordship. Oh, dear. <laughs> this is okay. You're all doing just fine. Just try not to do anything to raise too much suspicion. If uh, the main forces of the city gain sniff that there are living creatures unknown to them in the city, the alarms may go high and loud. As soon as he says that, Artem's hand slowly slides up his chest and rests on his holy symbol, and he clenches his jaw. Malfonce kind of nods at this and be like, Faith in God is important in a land like this. I guess, group... Do you think that these rogues are, are angry in some way? They're not getting enough anima? Is that a potential? Maybe the bones are hostages? I think we have a good means to meet them. We are new in town, and we have no money. Mm. A very good way to get in with a thieves' guild. Who are we? Why do we travel together? How did we come to be undead? Yeah, we could just call ourselves the Immortal Dawn. Do you have any <laughs> ideas, Malfons? Well, if outsiders come from Kamaras, it's because they died in the harsh wilderness, and this is sort of like a beacon. Sometimes people see a pearly staircase or some sort of tunnel of light that could lead them to the beyond. But if they're within the proximity of Andariel, the glowing green barrier is too tempting. It's a far more alluring finish line than the afterlife. And mindlessly, they are pulled here to join our forces. Then I have one other concern. I understand that many undead, being magical creatures, are capable of seeing through obfuscations of magical nature. Mm -hmm. What is the protocol should one of them notice him? And I put my thumb up into the sky towards wherever Reginald may or may not be. I do not see what you are looking at. I understand, Reginald. Yes. Can you make yourself manifest? <laughs> this is a magical invisibility. Wait, wait, hold the phone now. If there was something in my manner, I should have been able to be aware of it, even if it was invisible. Well, that answers my question, I suppose. What is this creature? Is this the thing that shows us what you're doing on the screen? It is indeed. I've never seen such a bizarre automaton. It is extraplanar. That might explain why it is unable to be seen. It would be illogical to be seen by the undead. Therefore, it is a truth. Hmm. You will have to explain that later. Mm. Then I have no further concerns. Well, that's just fine. I would say that once you leave my estate until you complete the task, you may want to try to stay away for a while, not draw more attention to my establishment here. I have one other request, if possible. The incense we burn to take these forms. Yes. Do you have any more, if we need more time in these geysers? We'll have to burn that bridge when we come to it. It took quite a while to manifest this sort of essence. I see. But keep in mind that it is more than just an illusion. This is a seeming. He says, reaching out, like actually putting his finger through Arvid's ribcage. <laughs> oh, that's inappropriate. Oh. 
pardon my intrusion of your personal ribcage cavity, but uh, I felt a display was helpful. Are you suddenly Ar- seeing things, Arvid? Uh, made me feel icky. Um, <laughs> he's trying to put his own fingers into the rib spaces. Slide right in. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Is your happy place somehow difficult uh, to enter now? Can I take the top of my skull off and sure. put it, I do this a couple of times? Uh, um, Arvid fails a constitution save and throws up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you declare that you fail the save. Fear not, I'll have Mr. Trebes clean that up right away. Trebes, where you at, boy? This is a really weird sensation, I have to say. I feel purple whenever you do that. Stop! (laughs) (laughs) Synesthesia is not uncommon under such extreme psychological and physiological stress. Also, look at this one. And I start pulling out my teeth. Oh, oh, no. no, Look, I can put my head on upside down. (laughs) I did Chris just hides in the, all that long hair. No, no. Just keep in mind that these are all falsehoods once the spell ends. But uh, for the meantime, if you are convinced that you will change your form, it will happen to pass you off as an undead. A powerful illusion indeed. Don't think too hard about what you are, Arvid. You uh, might come back wrong. As they <laughs> Don't make that face too long. You're messing me up. Don't make that face too long. You might stay that way. Oh. Uh, when they started talking after the horror show there, um, Arvid had started crawling away. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in your own vomit. <laughs> I eat one of the grubs that I'm made of. Oh. Just pops right back out. I pull out a small bottle of milk that I've been keeping in my vest, and I just start drinking it. I'm like, for the calcium. Oh. Some of it kind of seeps through little holes. <laughs> Oh, that was more horrifying than all of that. All right, I I lied. Now I'm having the time of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just wasted perfectly good milk. The most important aspect is that you do not register or smell living to those with more keen senses of things magical and the like. My Moloko has gone bad. Is this a problem with the place here? I suppose we do not have any fresh dairy or creams. Oh, I wonder if I could prematurely or magically age cheeses by coming in here. Oh, I should have put some bacteria in this first. Oh, what a waste. Maybe one day your pocket milk will turn into pocket butter. <laughs> 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 well, I wish you all the best of luck in your subterfuge. Please, as you mill about the city, try to keep a low profile and fear not the shade walker. Unless it is turned against you, you should be safe. It is the guardian of our city. Perhaps the greatest manifestation of the Silent King's power. A force to be reckoned with, to be sure. I was very impressed. I want to talk to it. Me I... too, Artyom. <laughs> <laughs> we should get going. We don't have a lot longer in these forms. Pro- I'm guessing it's been probably 15, 20 minutes at least since we entered um, the city. More Maybe like longer. an hour and a half. Yeah, this is a big city. Oh, I have to lo- tread all the way here. How long does seeming last? 24 hours. Oh, I thought it was one hour. No. Tw- oh. We have 24 hours. Okay, we have a lot more time than I thought. Mm. I play with my skull more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you head back out uh, through the brass tenement and back down into the trade center part of the city, taking roads you did not take before that you saw from your vantage point. And you enter the Souls Rialto, which looks like at some point it housed dozens and dozens of businesses, all like identical storefronts made by the same architect. But now most of them are just decayed, 
and have no one inside of them. A few of them still remain, though. You see one that looks like an open market where there are chairs that are embedded into the stone that pivot and rotate. Hanging on the wall, there are leatherworking tools and needle and thread, and there are limbs from different humanoid bodies. There's some skulls and large teeth, things like that. And you notice that there are some undead sitting in the chairs and others hovering over them, stitching them back together. Some of them are getting new arms sewn onto their bodies. Some of them are getting rips in their leathery skin stitched shut. And the sign in front shows the corpse mender. So this is basically a uh, place where the undead come to fix up their decaying bodies for those who have them. There is another business near there that looks like an active blacksmith. There are fires burning inside, and there is a very large, pus-filled, round zombie that's just pumping these bellows over and over again. And there is a dwarven undead inside that seems to be hammering away at a series of weapons. Inside the forge or inside the zombie? <laughs> inside the forge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just checking. And as you're moving through the streets, at some point you hear this bizarre ghostly chorus. Thousands of voices all singing at once, combined with like a church organ and a symphony of haunting ghostly strings. And there's a theater house. And in front of it, it says the Eternal Symphony. And you see spectral spirits floating in and out, just coming and going. There are some zombies and skeletons that wander to and fro out of the main doors. And every time the doors open, this unearthly chorus pours out oh i want to go there i think this is where we are going <sighs> this is the rialto no you are in the the trade area yes and then the last building that you see has the most people around it many of them are coming going and they're all carrying little tiny vials of this glowing green fire and the sign hanging over the head says galvast's anima annex and it seems like the most populous area for the collection of undead all coming together. Most of them grave-bound, some of them the shrouded, floating through the air. What would you like to do? When I cast Green Flame Blade, does it look anything like the anima? Could I fake it, or...? You could visually, but you're pretty sure that these sorts of things can tell what's real and what's not. Okay. If recruiters are looking for people, they'll be looking for desperate people. Mm. I think if we go to this annex, look hungry, look bored... I'm thinking there's a possibility somebody might approach us. Obviously, one of the better actors might have to do it, because uh, I don't think I could pull it off. Perhaps we should split into slightly smaller groups. A group of four is less approachable than a pair. Duh. Hmm. Me and my horse could pretend that we were uh, dead dead Kamarian knights, right? Oh. Maybe you should stick with Chris, then they can speak for you, duh? So you're going in groups of two into the Anima Annex? I think so. Mm. Unless right. you wanted to go somewhere else. Why don't Chris and um, Arvid go to the, the theater? It's uh, obviously one of the more public draws here. If you were new in town, you'd probably be drawn to the singing. You and I can go loiter around the annex. I like this. Maybe Chris should busk for anima. <laughs> That's adorable. So the duo of Chris and Arvid, as well as the horse, which remains outside, attached to the wagon still, uh, go to the Eternal Symphony. Mm. And as you enter, you step into a huge vaulted ceiling of this opera house. There are dozens of rows of pews in sets of four. You could seat thousands of individuals in here, including the skyboxes built up towards the ceiling. The ceiling itself is a beautiful tapestry of different paintings from different artists depicting scenes from plays. Some of them you've seen, ones that have been forgotten for a long time. 
And there on the stage, there is this writhing mass of bodies all intertwined together. Some of them seem to be half humanoid, half instrument. Some of them seem to be flowing through the pipes of an organ formed by other figures latched shoulder to shoulder. And others are trying to claw their way out while singing the most horrifying and beautiful melody you've ever heard. I'm really not sure how to feel about this. I'm just happy that with my eyes closed, you can't tell if I'm a skeleton. Wait, are your eyes closed? You can't tell, can you? No, I cannot. No. That's great. There is a smattering of skeletons and zombies sitting throughout the pew. Some of them rise and leave. Others walk right past you as they enter. Some of them float through you as the shaded float in and just kind of drift up to the skyboxes to watch. And this seems like something that goes on forever, as the name implies. It ends at no point. People come and go as they wish. There's no showtime. There's no curtain. It's this forever. Oh, boy. Oh, I... <laughs> well, Ovid, I guess we should get the show on the road. We have to find this execration. I'm so hungry. Nice. Um, so how would you like to approach the people here in the symphony? Mm. I think I, I just have to be as undeadly charming as possible probably not look towards the fancy people they probably wouldn't know mm -hmm. so anybody else who looks really really hungry and who looks like the music is staving off the hunger mm. that's who i want to talk to that's a fascinating concept yeah go ahead and roll me a persuasion check okay Ooh, 25 wow nicely done um you can see a group of zombies that are maybe halfway up the aisle, look like they just got here a little bit before you. And they seem to be traveling together and they are engrossed in the music itself. They seem to be holding deadly still, you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you approach them, one of them turns and says, Horrible, isn't it? Indeed. God, it's beautiful. Mm. Hold on. I'll make it worse. Chris begins his unearthly chorus. Mm -hmm. At first it harmonizes, but like an ocean, it like crashes against it, getting dissonant with it, and then reharmonizing, just trying to enthrall the group even more. Sure. And you're used to when you manifest this magical music, it fills the air around you like, like water filling any kind of void that it enters. This one leaves you and is pulled into this strange undead ghostly machine and is filtered out into the music that it's creating. And you can hear your own voice joining in with this chorus of anguish. Say, ah, that's, a, that's a strange gift. Not a lot of uh, citizens of Andariel remember what it's like to make music. It's uh, the only thing that keeps me Less hungry. Hungry, yes. Oh, I'd kill for some animal right now. I know. I just... I don't know how long I've been here. I don't know how I got here. You're new to town. Yeah? Well, I'm sorry to say you're not going to get your hands on any anima for some time. It's a privilege of citizenship. It takes a while to kick in. Maybe they'll throw us some scraps in the next week that we can gnaw on the bones of. I don't think I can 
Oh, last that long. <sighs> I know some people who might be able to help you out, but they require service. Anything, anything. You're a hard worker. Indeed. Don't ask questions. Yes. All right. This group, they do a lot of moving around. I'm not sure where they've been stationed lately, but they have a password. I heard it. I'm remembering it for when I'm ready, but I'm not ready. They say that to join is to turn your back on sickness, and I don't know if that means the end of me or a new beginning that I can't handle. It's tarnished silver, two shines in moonlight. Mm. If you do some more asking around, I'm sure you can find out where they are. But knowing that should help you join their ranks, or at least garner some trust. <sighs> Thank you, brother. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to stay here for a few days, I think. Just pass the time. It's addictive. It is. And with that, we will cut to the Anima Annex. As we see Harithax and Artyom entering, there is a scene happening before you. It seems many of the people who came to collect their ration of anima have left, but there are still a few that remain behind. A pair of skeletons wearing piecemeal armor that seem to be quite angry, and they're arguing with a figure behind the only booth. There's no sort of register or anything. It's more like an unmarked bank with a series of vault doors behind it and shelves covered in these tiny green bottles. And the figure standing behind it towers over them, looming over with a hunched back, like a pillar of shadow with a white mask floating where a head would be. Long, sinewy arms with actual physical bone fingers that stretch out long like a fan. And he looks down over them and says, I told you, you're not due. Get out of my shop. And they say, Galvast, you've become a dog to the eminent. What is this? You used to give us our rations regularly. Why have they cut down on the supply? And Galvast says, The rations are not your issue to worry about. You'll get what you're given when the time is right. And the two of them reach for the blades on their belts. And you see him bring his bone hands together and clap. And suddenly the room is filled with specters. And they seem to move like fabric on the wind as they drift through these skeletons, drawing spectral blades, and they all vanish, leaving the room silent. And Galvast returns to his position of hands resting on the bar and says, Next. So the two skeletons are gone as well. They just got snuffed away. Hmm. I'll move forward. And with this, you can tell from the issuing of the scene, everyone has kind of scurried out. They've either finished their business or they decided they're not going to bag today. Galvast might be in a bad mood. Come forward. What can I do for you? Well, now, we're new in town here. I was going to see if you needed any help with those uh, miscreants, but it seems you have defenses of your own in place. You are indeed new to town. I never forget a skull. That's amazing. <laughs> I don't think you've been here long enough to reap the rewards of our silent king. You're not here to beg, are you? I'm uncertain how your society works as yet. We're here to work. I have heard anima is what drives this city. 
I was curious how I would procure it. With time, the Eminent will ration it to you at a rate they see fit. It keeps you going for a long time. There must be some way for those with skills to accumulate anima. How hmm. does one acquire the Eminent's favor? There are systems of bartering, but those are not my words to speak. Though, Galvast sees everyone in this town. I have no allegiance to the Eminent, but I do follow their rules, because it keeps my coffers full of anima for myself. Though change perhaps is overdue. You seem to be asking questions without speaking the words implicitly. If it's information you want, I deal in that as well. But I ask a price. We have none to pay. You said it yourself. If you could bring me the living, I could bolster my supplies. While the eminent protect their secrets, I too can harness anima. Thus is my position here in the bank. Unwillingly? Ideally not. If the living are in Andariel, they are here of their own free will, or they are prisoners of war. The. It comes out easier when it's willing, and it tastes more sweet. Uh, Artyom's neck cracks as he turns away. Mm -hmm. We will see if some wretch is willing to give up their life force. Please do. I prefer under-the-table transactions out of the eyes of the eminent. Is there any other kind? And Hurthax will just turn and walk out. Putting a, a hand on Artyom's shoulder if he hesitates. He does. Okay. And as you do, you feel there's a strong resistance. And then he comes with you. <laughs> Come back soon. I will. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and as you approach the exit, you're certain that this figure is some 15, 20 feet away from you. You feel a bony hand rest on your shoulder and says, Wait. And then it drifts to the side and closes the curtains. And then it shuts the door and says, I also deal in secrets. I was about to say my hand tightens around my staff just a little. New faces tend to bring news of the outside world. Things I've not heard before or mysteries that I can keep from the eminent. If you have secrets for me or anima, you have my interest. You don't seem like the run-of-the-mill grave-bound. I shake my skull. We were members of the League of Ultimate Questing. Ah, this name I have heard. So you are freshly dead, then? How long? A day? An hour? It is impossible to tell at this point. You seem young. It felt like decades passing into the city. Yes. There is a chance that if you are fresh... There might still be some lingering within you that I could cake. <laughs> I've got big eyes and Zach's got big size. <laughs> Damn right I got big size. Yeah. <laughs> What's in it for us? I will tell you what it is you wish to know. You're looking for a source of anima outside of the eminence? The. You're looking for work? The. There are groups forming slowly. Those who wish to see a change in the city. Those who wish to seize the means. Those who wish to change the flow. Perhaps rob the eminent of some of their strength and divide it more evenly. I know where they meet. I know when they meet. I deal in secrets. 
There is much perhaps we could tell you. For now, I think we have nothing but time. I suppose you could try to extract something from me. Yes. 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 And his hands seem to just drift around you. And out of nowhere, he pulls what looks like a black cloak. And it seems to have metal wires like built into it, almost like pipes that wrap around it in rings. And he drapes it over your shoulders, and it's heavy. And slowly the air around you starts getting pulled into it. And tiny beads of green light start to trace up the wires, forming runes. And he reaches and pulls a bottle and attaches it to one of the pipes. And he seems to be waiting with anticipation, but then it's full. And his eyes go wide and the white lights inside of them narrow. And he pulls it back and says, Now there's a secret. The living here in Andariel. Moving freely. Fascinating. Fear not. I do not serve the eminent. Knowing this gives me power over them. And I like the living. You're my source of income. This is a pittance. I want enough to last me the week. And then my secrets are yours. That wasn't the deal you proposed the moment ago. That's true. I can offer you something for this, but you didn't ask what questions you wanted answered, now did you? You didn't say how much you wanted. Yes. What are you trying to barter here? Do you want to wear the cloak as well? I entered this thinking I would be draining the last juice of a dry lemon, not having two plump living souls breathing the air in front of me. Artyom is uncharacteristically quiet right now. Uh, Harithax is definitely like looking at Artyom like, yeah, the team captain, you, don't, you want me to make a call here? He seems rigid. Tight. All right. Very uncomfortable. When you drain the anima from us as living beings, what does it take? Our life force? Our yes. souls? Not souls per se. That is the last thing to come once the udder is dry. Will I die sooner if I give you my life? Only if you're foolish. Does it regenerate? I would imagine with enough bed rest you'd feel fine. We're here for the execration. And if you want more, you'll tell us not only where they are, but how we can hurt them. Hmm. If you give me enough anima for the week, it's a deal. How much do you need for the week? He holds out a much larger vial. This will be spread thin if it's fresh. Like, much larger, like... Ten times the size of a little vial. That's a lot. Artyom, how do you feel? I'm fine. How do you actually feel? Not great. That seems fair. This one seems more willing to trade. Perhaps the cloak is best on his shoulders. I'm not a him. Ah, so many secrets. <laughs> Don't misgender me, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're a skull. <laughs> In death, we're all dudes. Yeah. <laughs> his, his hands hover eagerly over you and slowly begin to remove the cloak. And drifting, they float over and lovingly wrap around Harithax's shoulders. I cast Death Ward on myself. Okay. And I let him. He holds his hand out. It's better when it's willing. Shake 
I grab its hand. And he shakes it. Keep in mind, this is magic dealing with time. Nothing but time will return it to you. And with that, you lose 15 hit points off of your maximum. And he fills the bottle to its brim. You will regain one each night you rest. All right. Herithax is kind of... And he holds it up to the mask of his face and seems to sniff it and feel the energy through the bottle and places it on the shelf and says, When the moon is high in the sky this evening, the execration will meet near the tallest mausoleum in the Carnel Glebe. If you wish to hurt them, join with the eminent and hunt them down. Give away their location. That is their weakness. So be it. You must hurry, though. He says, looking through the glass ceiling. The moon rises to its apex soon. Travel with haste. What did you say your name was? Its name is Galvest. And I'm staring it right in the eyes. It seems delighted by this transaction. It says, again, your secret. Safe with me. I never forget the skull either. And I turn and I leave. Excellent. And the group converges back out in the center of the spirit's Rialto, having learned a secret password to infiltrate the group and the location that they are meeting. And you set out on your wagon, racing against the moon before it reaches its apex, to the Carnel Glebe. If the silent citadel is the head of the fallen city, then surely the Glebe is its heart. For what is a city of death without its cemetery? After exploring the strange sights and uh, less than pleasant locales in Andario, it seems like the Mortal Dawn, or should we say the Immortal Dawn, have made connections and quite literally sold their soul for the answers they seek. Once I was on an island where they traded dried rabbit ears as currency. Rabbits weren't even native to the place. I thought that was the weirdest banknote I ever saw. But unlike rabbit, there's nothing tender about these bony bankers dealing, what, essence? I mean, is that what souls are made of? Are we all just emerald oil for undead engines? Actually, those are some pretty good lyrics. Well, it seems that they have the skeleton key, but now they're looking for the lock. Uh, yep. All wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. Great job, Blue Flame. Uh, no, Storm. They're they're not done at all. Well, they're just getting started. Huh? All right. Sorry, Kip. My head's in the clouds. I'm meeting with Vladis tonight. We're going to a play. Oh, your fire giant lady friend. Well, how's that all going? Kip, she's just the best. We get along like salami and apples. I even got a ring. A ring? Well, that was fast. I mean, I guess. I can't keep dumping gold into potions of fire, bro. About time I invested in a ring. I'm gonna ask her to go steady tonight. My face will be red enough. No cause going medium rare planting a smooch on her cheek. Aw, Storm. That is so heartwarming. Well, on that sweet note, join us next time for more high-stakes fantasy action and adventure. Will the Mortal Dawn reach their resurrection rendezvous? Or will the mysteries of the Midnight Metropolis leave them breathless? Find out next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. <laughs> That's nice and sinister. That's that pretty bitchin'. Tense episode. Didn't mean to pump the brakes on the trade, but it was good tension. Like it was real mm-hmm, good tension. Mm-hmm. So that was great. But I think we should just go around the table and reintroduce ourselves, starting with Sam playing Arfid. Ulfmund. Arvid Ulfmund. Arvid. Arvid. That's what Morty calls Arvid. Oh, Arvid. That's cute. 
Um, yeah, Arvid missing his dog uh, in skeleton form during that bit with the opera. Um, he was only so silent because he had uh, incognito style uh, shoved some like candle wax into his ears and just kind of fell asleep on the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that's earwax. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so, yeah, he's... Uh, Two levels barred, six levels, sorry, two levels. (laughs) Way off. (laughs) That's me. Hey guys, we recorded all day. We're kind of tired. Sorry. Two levels druid, six levels barbarian, and all skeleton. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Michael Loving. I'm playing the Anima Sack Harithex, the level eight dragonborn warlock. My name is Alante, and I play Chris Sagrand, the crystalline sorcerer and bard. I am Artyom Volkov. I am Zach. I am, yes. I am all of us. <laughs> I, am, I am very tired. Um, I'm Zach Barkas. I play Artyom Volkov, and I'm also the cleric of Sunlight Suffering, in addition to Artyom Volkov. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm also the technical director for Slapdash Studios, editor, producer. I'd also like to thank uh, Tori Christensen for editing for us. No, Tori. Yes. That was not as good as the last one. <laughs> Going for the Undead Symphony. My name is Law. I am the creative director of Slab Dash Studios and this here Dungeon Master of the game you done just listened to. I am wondering where this episode was or where this chapter was in Halloween last year. (laughs) Mm. We did spooky stuff. We did. Yeah. So uh, any interesting little bits you should let our listeners know about? Anybody? I'll be appearing on an episode of God's Fall with the Queer Quest special DM Aram Vartian. Uh, you can find that uh, anywhere podcasts are available. Just search for God's Fall. My character is Arunavar, the god of blood, which is fitting for this episode. In fact, lots of blood. Yeah. And you can also find our podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, definitely check out the website. There's some cool stuff there. It'll link directly to the Patreon, which has things like magical maps and and items and other cool stuff. Uh, and that'll also lead you to our Discord, which is pretty hopping. It's got some of our outtakes. Uh, you can talk to us directly. You can see our cool and weird memes. <laughs> it's kind of great. And definitely check our social media, which is Slapdash Studios or at Slap the Dash. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or, you know, contact us directly. We always love to hear from you guys. And if I'm not forgetting anything, I just want to say thank you. You're amazing. And I wish you luck. Mm-hmm.